نحمده ونسلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد فعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحلل أقدة من لساني يفقه قولي رب زدني إلما السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome to Journey Through the Quran by Ikna Sisters Now sisters, every surah of the Quran has a unique character and distinctive features and it adopts a special approach to explaining its theme and uses a particular style in making it clear and understandable. The theme of the Quran is to direct human beings towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is their creator, right? And all Quranic surahs have a common theme and share a common objective. Now each surah, however, has special characteristics and unique approach, just like human beings, you know. Uh, as human beings share uh, same characteristics and biological, physiological attributes, like everyone has eyes, ears, nose, you know, um, hair. Yet human beings exhibit an endless range of variety in language and culture, race, and color of skin, right? Today we will be going through Surah Araf, and this Surah adopts a totally different approach as it discusses the same question of faith that was discussed in Surah An'am. Now, both these surahs were revealed in Mecca during the last stages of the Prophet Sallallahu stay in, uh, in Mecca before the migration. And both deal with articles of faith, that is Tawheed, Risala, and Akhirah. But Surah Al-An'am made, uh, made use of all the inspiring signs around us in the universe, whereas Surah Araf outlines Allah's signs throughout the history of man on this earth. Surah An'am mentioned a lot of blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and there was barely any mention of uh, prophets, right? Except from that uh, one incident of uh, uh, Ibrahim alayhi salam. Surah Araf on the other hand mentions a number of prophets and the histories of their nations. So in schools, our secular curriculum usually has history as a subject, right? And usually they teach you about uh, ancient civilizations and the tales of kings and queens, right? And in, essentially, uh, history is taught so that uh, we could learn from the past experiences and knowledge and we can implement that knowledge eventually for our own future use, right? So in Surah Araf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us a lesson in history and points out at the genuine lessons that need to be learned from them. And Surah Araf starts with the actual origins of human being with the story of Adam alayhi salam in paradise and the banner of La ilaha illallah which was handed to Adam alayhi salam to be carried forward by his progeny and later on passed on to the prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, eventually being handed over to the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and uh, later on to the Muslim ummah. And the stories in Surah Araf point at landmark battles between good and evil as evil opposed the call to the true message throughout history. Now this surah, Surah Araf, also portrays the fate that fell on the opponents of this message in this world. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala relates a story only to use it as a means of dealing with existing circumstances in the society. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only states a truth in order to remove a falsehood. And these stories are, are not there to make a premise for academic purposes or, or related for intellectual pleasures, right? But these stories actually show practical measures that should be taken to deal with issues in, in the society. Now, as we go through the surah, we will see that it lays special emphasis on reminders and warnings on one hand. And on the other hand, it reminds humanity about their final destination. That is not this earth, but it is where it all began in the heavens. Everyone has to go back eventually to meet their Rabb. It also gives accounts of people of Nuh alayhi salam, Hud alayhi salam, Saleh, Lut, and Shoaib but treats the history of Musa at a much greater length with stronger emphasis. 
Surah Araf starts in the following manner. Alif, Lam, Mim, Sawd. This is a book revealed to you, O Muhammad. Let there be no anxiety in your heart because it is so that you may use it to give warning and to remind the believers. Follow, O mankind, what has been revealed to you from your Rabb and do not follow other masters beside him. Little do you remember. These opening verses set the objective clearly. Take what has been revealed to you as a reminder and follow the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then it also sets a stern warning that sets the tone of the surah, right? Those who deliberately oppose the message of Tawheed will be dealt with in the most severe manner at night or by midday while they are resting, meaning they wouldn't even realize what hit them. They will be finally brought forward to their Rabb and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala relates the scene of the Akhirah. Allah says, then we will surely question those to whom a message was sent and we will surely question the messengers. Then we will surely relate their deeds to them with knowledge and we were not at all absent and the weighing of deeds that day will be the truth. So those whose scales are heavy, meaning heavy with good deeds, it is they who will be successful and those whose scales are light, they are the ones who will lose themselves for what injustice they were doing towards our verses. After the reminder that everyone's ultimate destination is Akhirah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala relates the story of the origins of mankind with the story of Adam alayhi salam. Now we've heard the story before in Surah Baqarah, right? But the purpose of repeating this here in Surah Araf is very different. In Surah Baqarah, the stage was set to give the responsibility to Adam salam and his progeny to spread the message, right? They were the Khalifa. In Surah Araf, the story sets, uh, sets a premise for the first battle between good and evil, between truth and falsehood. Now Allah created Adam salam and commanded the angels to prostrate to Adam. And Iblis was also present there among the angels and he was also supposed to obey the command. But he disobeyed and he rejected the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And not only that, but he also showed arrogance and spite in his attitude towards his decision. And in Surah Araf, Allah says, God said, what prevented you from bowing down as I commanded you? And he said, I am better than him. You created me from fire and him from clay. Moreover, Iblis... He challenged Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to lead humanity astray. And then Allah says in Surah Araf, Allah said, Descend from paradise, for it is not for you to be arrogant therein. So get out, indeed you are of the humiliated. And then Iblis said, Reprieve me until the day that they are resurrected. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Indeed you are of those reprieved. Iblis then said, Because you have put me in error, I will surely sit and wait for them on your straight path. Then I will come to them from before them and from behind them and from their right and on their left and you will not find most of them grateful to you. So we see that Iblis who is now Shaitan will cause misunderstanding and he will make people care more about the material things and the pleasures of this dunya and forget about our real destination which is the Akhirah. Now he will make wrong and evil look so attractive and he will whisper in our hearts and he will invite people to the corrupt ways, right? Although he does not have any power to forcibly pull people to the wicked ways, he won't be able to prevent people from following the right path either. This is ultimately the decision of a person entirely to follow the wrong or the right path, to obey or deliberately oppose the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so the Quran makes it clear in another surah that on the day of judgment, shaitan would address the men who had followed him in the following words. I had no power over you except to call you, but you listen to me. 
So we see that shaitan was able to tempt Adam salam into eating from the tree by giving them false promises. But we also find in Surah Araf that although humans do have limitations and they easily forget and are distracted and are prone to fall in the, into the traps of shaitan, they also have the tenacity to spring back onto the right path, right? So Adam salam and his wife, they realized their mistake immediately and they replied, our Lord, we have wronged our souls. If you do not forgive us and have mercy, we shall be lost. This is the sunnah of Adam salam, And this also becomes one of the strongest characteristics of a believer. Recognition of his or her error. And then repentance and seeking forgiveness. Feeling their own weakness. Seeking help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his mercy to rectify, to uh, make themselves stronger. Now the narrative takes a break here for some reflections. In, uh, in the following passage, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses Bani Adam, that is the children of Adam. That is the entire humanity towards four unique calls for action. The first call for action is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, um, O children of Adam, we have given you garments to cover your nakedness and as an adornment for you. The garment of taqwa, that is Allah consciousness, is the best of all garments. This is one of Allah's signs so that people may take heed. Meaning that modesty is the shield of a believer. Just as decent garments enhance the physical characteristics of a person, similarly having taqwa inspires the spiritual outlook of a character. Now the second call to Bani Adam. O children of Adam, do not let shaitan seduce you as he did your parents, causing them to leave paradise, stripping them of their modesty. So be cautious of the traps of shaitan. This is the most defining verse of the whole chapter. Shaitan attacks the fitra of human beings. He attacks the shield that protects a believer. Loss of modesty eventually leads to decay in morals, ethics, and integrity of a society, which ultimately leads to resistance against the truth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would never command people to commit injustice and immoralities, right? On the contrary, he commands to be just. And only by devoting ourselves to Allah's command, that is maintaining modesty in person and in thought, we will be able to uphold justice in our society. The third call to Bani Adam is, O children of Adam, dress well whenever you are at worship and eat and drink as we have permitted. But do not be extravagant. God does not like extravagant people. Now, enjoying the pleasures of this world are allowed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and even encouraged as long as they fall within the scope of what is allowed and what is permissible. And these pleasures are not meant for ostentatious display. For example, if someone is capable to afford a branded item, and it is definitely halal for them to own such an item, unless their purpose is to show off or to put other people to shame, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forbids that someone should commit any kind of injustice, whether it be to put down anybody or, or take away something which belongs to somebody else unjustly. The fourth called to Bani Adam, O children of Adam, when messengers come to you reciting my revelation for those who have taqwa and live righteously, there will be no fear, nor will they grieve. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's commands regarding modesty, piety and justice are brought to humanity by the means of messengers and the believers are instructed to listen to them. Now, right after this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the dwellers of hellfire and the dwellers of paradise. 
So the people who committed injustices and those who schemed against the messengers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just because, you know, they had to oppose the truth that was brought to him and they invented lies and they spread corruption uh, on this earth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Araf, hell will be their resting place and their covering layer upon layer. This is how we punish those who do evil. But for those who believe and do good deeds, they are the people of paradise and there they will remain. As if this is not enough good news for them. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says in Surah Araf that they will also hear an announcement that this is paradise, which you have inherited because of your good deeds. Now, between paradise and hellfire, there is a barrier, a veil, or maybe a tall wall, perhaps, which is known as Araf. And there will be another set of people uh, that will be placed on this height or this tall wall, which will be known as the people of Araf. So the people of Araf are those whose good deeds are equal in weight when compared to their bad deeds. And they will look hopefully towards the people of paradise and call out to them with salam. And when their glances fall upon the people of fire, they will pray, Our Lord, do not let us join the evildoers. The scholars also mention that eventually these people will be forgiven and they will be made to enter paradise. But uh, my dear sisters, this is just a motivation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, you know, we do not want to be among those people who are just looking at uh, paradise with longing eyes, with longing feelings, right? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to be the, among the people of paradise who have inherited it, inshallah. Now the history lesson continues and the surah gives us accounts of the people of uh, Nuh alayhi salam, Hud alayhi salam, Saleh alayhi salam, Lut alayhi salam and Shu'aib alayhi salam. Here we can see the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches history. If you've ever read secular history, you would find that a group of people writing their own history would not solely base their facts on hard truths, rather their own interpretation and embellishment of events that put them up as honored, noble and respected people, right? Um, and whoever writes history makes themselves look like heroes. And then there are other uh, historical accounts that are taught for no reason at all. For example, the Epic of Gilgamesh is taught in high school. And it is about a person who spreads corruption and rape and torture just based on his strength. But he is hailed as a tragic hero at the end of the story, right? So many times learning history is only limited to economic, political, biological or religious dimensions, right? So human beings are um, very unique and complex beings. And although they have been able to dominate this earth with their ideas and innovations, the spiritual aspects of hum human complexity are often overlooked in history. So in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, talks about how he created a shape from clay and then he breathed a soul into this shape. And this also created a consciousness um, and an awareness of right and wrong. And this shape was eventually the human being. And with, or, with this consciousness came the need to organize into societies and communities. And this also led to the greed for wealth and power. But Allah did not leave human beings to do as they will after they were given these unique and complex characteristics. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent messengers from among their own people. So they could distinguish between right and wrong. But as shaitan is ready to play on the weakness of human beings and distract them from the right path, many of the human beings will eventually follow the path of shaitan. 
and some will also repent and they will come back and turn towards their Rabb. But these complexities are only explored in the Quran and the lessons learned from these are only mentioned in the Quran. Now all the messengers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they present one never changing truth. And it is mentioned in Surah Araf that all the messengers invited their people by saying, my people worship God alone. You have no deity other than him. And these people argued with them, rejecting the very concept of the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They also wondered why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent human messengers. And some of them argued that religion had nothing to do with people's lives or with the regulation of finance and business transactions. Every messenger presented this central tr truth to their people in the manner of a caring and honest advisor. But none of these um, people took the advice of their messengers seriously, except a very few of them, right? So the battle between good and evil continues on. And it seems at first that evil has it very easy, right? It's win winning. Tyrants are able to create fear and chaos. And it seems that the messengers and the believers have no help at all. This lays out Allah's way of dealing with people who receive a message from him, but then continue to oppose it. He tests them first with trials and hardship so that they might call to Allah for help. And if they continue in their rejection, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tries them with affluence, which is an even harder test. And people usually ask for Allah's help in times of need, right? But rarely are they grateful in times of affluence. If the disbelievers continue their stubbornness and tyranny against the messengers and the believers, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ultimately takes them suddenly and totally unaware. This has been the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with each and every past nation. He has ultimately saved his messengers and the truth has prevailed, while the tyrants and the oppressors have been destroyed. Now this series of historical accounts of different nations and messengers only emphasizes that Islam is a universal religion. It has been since the creation of Adam and since then the banner has been passed on to different messengers and their nations and finally to the Prophet and it continues to be the responsibility of every believer after him. That is you and me. Allah says in Surah Araf, We have told you, O Prophet, the stories of those towns. Messengers came to them and clear signs but they would not believe in what they had already rejected. In this way, Allah seals the hearts of disbelievers. We found that most of them did not honor their promise. We found that most of them were defiant. Now, after this narrative, Surah Araf continues with the story of Musa salam and the Bani Israel. And this is the longest narrative of all the Prophet's stories mentioned in this surah. So this narrative can be divided into two parts, essentially. The first part is the events that happened in Egypt, which were dealing with the Pharaoh and his leaders. And the second part continues with the story of Bani Israel after they were rescued from the, uh, from the Pharaoh. So the first part is essentially the same as the other stories. The messenger... Uh, brings the message to a nation whose leaders are corrupt and they are tyrants. This passage relates much of the history of Musa -Islam with the Pharaoh and his people and it starts when Pharaoh and the leading figures among his people are confronted with the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the Rabb and he is worthy of worship. And it ends with the drowning of uh, Pharaoh and his army. And in between these events, the surah tells us about the contest between Musa -Islam and the magicians which, uh, which ended up uh, with with the sorcerers declaring that they believe in, in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
So the pharaoh, he decided to punish these magicians and put them to death. Uh, nevertheless, the truth had taken such a hold in the, in the hearts of these magicians or these sorcerers that they no longer cared for the pharaoh and his uh, honors or rewards or compensations. And they were pre prepared to sacrifice their lives for this iman, for this faith. But the pharaoh and his people, they continued to subject uh, Bani Israel to further persecution, right? And, uh, and so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala punished uh, uh, the pharaoh and his people again and again, inflicting the, uh, on them floods and pests and infestation of frog. And each time they appealed to Musa salam to pray to his Rabb to lift the punishment. And whenever the punishment was lifted, they would revert back to their tyrannical ways, declaring that they would not believe and no matter what sign uh, was eventually shown to them. So eventually Pharaoh and his people, they were destroyed and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala drowned them, right? Now Bani Israel was free to uh, go move forward and the power of the land was given to Musa salam and the Bani Israel as a reward for their perseverance through the test of hardship. Now after this hardship Bani Israel was tested with affluence. So the second part is what happens after Bani Israel was saved from their oppressors um, and this is a really important part of history. Usually our mindset is that after the people of um, Nuh alayhi salam, Hud alayhi salam, Saleh alayhi salam, Lut alayhi salam and Shoaib alayhi salam, these people were saved, the story ended there and everybody lived happily ever after, right? But the reality is that now these people, when they are saved from their oppressors, they have to uh, be the people who carry the message forward uh, with their messengers and now they have to show the world that they are capable to implement the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in their lives and they have to show how to establish this, the deen in this dunya. So it becomes their duty and immense responsibility to be the sta standard bearers of Islam, of this message of truth. So the Quran elaborates on the story of Bani Israel after they were saved from Pharaoh and his oppressive leaders because this nation was the closest in terms of years. Uh, in terms of historical ears to the Muslims, right? And Bani Israel also had preserved most of their history in their books. And their scholars could collaborate on these, his, on these details whenever they were revealed in the Quran. So the Muslims were also going to be saved from the oppression of the Quraysh. And they would become uh, a nation, a community in Medina. So now the Muslims should be able to learn from the history of Bani Israel and about the challenges that they were about to face once Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them the victory. So after Bani Israel is delivered from Pharaoh, a different sort of struggle begins for this nation. And this struggle is with the human self within the soul of the people, within the people who went through hard times together, hand in hand. Not long after Bani Israel had crossed the sea, and saw the Pharaoh drown, right? Such a big miracle uh, happened in front of them of the sea parting that they relapsed into the state of ignorance. So they came upon a pagan nation that was dedicated to worshipping idols. And then they asked Musa salam to create an idol for them to worship. So because of the years of persecution with, uh, in the hands of the Pharaoh, Bani Israel had become weak in character because they had lost or forgotten most of the commands that were sent to them by Allah through previous messengers. They were a believing nation, but their concept of Iman and Tawheed were corrupted, and they needed to be revived by a set of fresh laws uh, and commands from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala summoned Musa alayhi salam to Mount Tur to give Mani Israel a book 
right? So that they can become the real uh, standard bearers of the deen. So now they can show the world how it is to implement the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala into their own lives, right? But some of these people, they relapsed again and they created an image of a cow to worship it. And, and these people were punished severely by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Bani Israel were tested again and again by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And these tests were in fact to make them stronger in character and in faith. And the various narratives uh, describe how test after test was sent to the Bani Israel. But only few of them were able to strive. Um, and most of the people always succumbed to the weakness of their character and to the, to the temptations of shaitan, right? So a lesson for us, uh, dear sisters, is that, you know, whenever we face different kinds of tests and trials, you know, we need to remember that these trials and tests are there from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us strong in our own character, strong in our own faith and iman, inshallah. So one of the tests that was sent to uh, Bani Israel was to a group of people who were situated near the coast. And these people were instructed to dedicate um, the day of Sabbath, that is a Saturday, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not to involve themselves in any worldly matters. And the test was that on that particular day, the fish would come closer to the shores and this would attract the attention of the people, right? And they can see a lot of fish, but they cannot catch it. So these people, they decided to set up traps uh, the night before so they could catch the fish on the day of Sabbath and then they could collect it after the day of Sabbath was over. Now it is uh, important to remember that these people have been disobeying Allah before, before this test was sent to them. It was not like one fine day they came up with this plan to find loopholes uh, and distort the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? This had been going on in this town for some time. And we also see sometimes around us, you know, people who, who are fatwa shopping or finding loopholes in Islam so that maybe, you know, they could buy a house on interest or maybe they could be able to sell alcohol in their store so, uh, so that, you know, they could get more business, attract more business. But this was a major test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to see whether they would stop or not. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in, in Surah Araf, when they ignored the warnings they were given, we saved those who forbade evil and punished the wrongdoers severely because of their disobedience. The scholars say that there, are, there were three groups of people in that town. Those who deliberately disobeyed, those who did not disobey, but they kept quiet and did not stop people from disobeying. And then there was one group that was actively working to stop people from committing injustice. Now, only the group that was actively involved in trying to stop the disobedience was saved from punishment and the other two groups were punished severely. So there is a lesson, my dear sisters. As a believer, we also need to be actively involved in standing up for justice, in stopping whatever immorality or injustice we see around us. Now, these stories from the nation of Bani Israel are actual lessons for Muslims who have been given the responsibility as the community that continues to work for the spreading of the message of truth. And we will be tested by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through tough situations, but these situations will only come to us to strengthen our iman and our resolve. Now, these last verses of Surah Araf contain very important directives from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the Prophet and to us uh, as his ummah. The Prophet and his companions, they faced aggression from Quraysh in those times, right? 
while the rest of the muslim ummah we also face some sort of hostility during our ta- uh, during our current times and we continue to face islamophobia and other kinds of aggression these concluding instructions they they give the believer the attitude that we need to face such uh, trials and tests allah subhanahu wa taala says show forgiveness enjoin good and avoid the ignorant if shaitan should prompt you to do something seek refuge with allah those who are aware of allah think of him when shaitan prompts them to do something and immediately they can see the right way therefore when the quran is recited listen carefully to it and keep silent so that you may be shown mercy remember your lord deep within your soul in all humility and reverence without raising your voice in the mornings and in the evenings and do not be negligent my dear sisters our instructions are very clear hold on to this quran make it a resource book for you a book which gives you calm and peace and strength and resolve in our day to day life inshallah wa akhiru dawana alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin and inshallah until next time